The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, amuse, and teach. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me, Jim Kramer. Memo. Memo to anyone on Wall Street who thought the Federal Reserve would cut interest rates next month. We told you you were wrong. We made fun of you endlessly. We criticized your acumen. We questioned your salaries. And well, 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 we were right. And you got egg all over your collective faces. (laughs) All right. Today, we learned that the economy created a huge number of jobs in January, more than 350,000, nearly doubling the expected 185,000. At the same time, we did see a little wage inflation get a little hot there. The result? Well, certainly wasn't what you'd think. Despite sharply higher interest rates, the Dow actually gained 135 points. S&P jumped 1.07%, and the Nasdaq surged 1.74%. How's Chugging off the bonds. Now, that's something, isn't it? But the averages this session actually were a little irrelevant, especially Nasdaq, because we caught some legendary moves today in a few specific stocks. Meta Platforms, up 20%. Amazon, up nearly 8%. Both companies reported stunning numbers that were almost inconceivable, frankly, as they managed to sell many more goods with fewer people. And the goods have high margins, especially advertising. Put simply, today was all about a handful of magnificent stocks, which made you an incredible amount of money, especially Meta. Mark Zuckerberg created more wealth in a single day from a single stock than anyone else in history, as Meta added nearly $197 billion to its market cap today, and I'm throwing in a dividend. Great reminder that owning stocks can be a powerful way to augment your paycheck. Oh, and a reminder to the charlatans who try to scare you into ETS with that single stock risk nonsense. You should know that your naked greed, your Jeremiah's, have hurt our viewers. Meta money, amazing Amazon, huge wins. I say thank you. And that's what earnings season does, doesn't it? It produces surprises. So what surprises might lurk next week? I think we should check out the game plan. Monday morning, Caterpillar reports. Now, this thing's been a horse. I don't know if you've seen it. McDonald's, too. The myriad short sellers have been absolutely crushed and obliterated by Caterpillar as its orders for infrastructure and data centers have been humongous. This stock is up nearly 100 points since it last reported. McDonald's, this is a set your watch by its stock because it almost always goes higher after earnings. I don't think this time will be much different. Some people say, Jim, if it's so easy, why isn't everybody rich? Well, you know, there's periodic vacillation, but... 
I think it'll be a good quarter. At the close, the legendary David Simon will tell us how Simon Property Group's done. And this, the largest small company in the world, should give you not only a terrific report, but an excellent outlook. Simon Property has paid out a huge amount of dividends over the years, and I'll bet it continues the, the tradition. He knows retail better than anyone I know. Tuesday, the only company that's been able to eclipse the value of Tesla and elbow itself into the upper echelon of market capitalization is none other than Eli Lilly. And it announces its earnings, and it's all about the GLP-1s, the anti-obesity, anti-diabetes drug that potentially has a whole bunch of other uses. The magnitude of sales remains unknown, but I think, I think I know what matters. It's how quickly they can ramp up all the factories to meet the demand, because, wow, is this stuff in short supply. Earlier this week, Train Technologies reported a monster upside surprise because of strong heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and sales. I bet Carrier Global could do the same thing. Dave Gitlin's company, CARR, I like the story very much. We learned today that Spotify inked a contract with Joe Rogan worth perhaps as much as $250 million for the popular talk show host. Here's my thinking. I knew Spotify's been doing well, but this contract makes me think that you could be in for a real boffo set of numbers. I like this setup. Spotify. You want a sleeper industrial? The Travel Trust has one. It's called Lindy, the industrial gas company. Lindy has a perfect mosaic of businesses. It supplies gases to carbonated drink makers, hospitals, oil and gas companies, semiconductor manufacturers, dentists, dollar stores for helium balloons. And Vintners, the company does fine when the global economy is struggling, and it does great if the global economy is strong. After the close Ford Motor Reports, I'm encouraged about this Travel Trust stock for two reasons. One, my favorite auto analyst, Adam Jonas over at Morgan Stanley, is now calling it his favorite name. And two, Ford's monthly numbers this morning that Phil LeBeau gave us were terrific because it sells an awful lot of hybrids where the money is right now. I would have thought the stock would have acted better today. Kind of. It, 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 it's a little daunting the stock acts so badly, I, I, but I'm hopeful. Chipotle reports. Now, get this. I think it's going to be a blowout, plain and simple. But I wish they split the darn stock the way Walmart did. I know you can buy fractional shares, but that's not what people really want. While everybody knows that splits are pure optics, the fact is optics matter in this business and it's kept people out of one of my absolute favorite stocks and one of my favorite places to eat. One of the most impressive companies I saw when I was out at that J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco was Amgen. When it reports, I think it's most likely, and I think it'll be a good quarter, most likely to talk about its own GLP-1 drug, which might be a once-a-month shot, not a once-a-week shot like the current one. If you like Lily has good GLP numbers, you know what? I buy Amgen. Wednesday, we get results from Uber, and th- this company's just become so impressive in the last few quarters. I think it'll continue. It's a juggernaut. CVS reports. Now, I bet that they'll continue to talk about the company's transformation, although I do actually have trepidation about its Aetna-managed care division. Could it fall prey to the same medical loss ratio issues that hurt Humana? I'm concerned. Another one I do like, though, Yum Brands. I mean, the franchise market's been very good to KFC and Taco Bell, but not so much to Pizza Hut. Stocks rallied on two firing cylinders. What could happen if they get a third firing cylinder? Wow. After the close Wednesday, okay, I'm going to be a little critical for a second. I'm going to travel trust uh, position we've got. Disney reports. Now, we've come to expect just truly mediocre numbers from this once great company. Some of the numbers are really self-inflicted. Something's clearly wrong at Disney. Netflix is running rings around them, and it can't seem to get its costs down. That's why I really want to know why Disney refuses to just put the legendary Nelson Peltz on the board of directors. Instead, they're goading him into a proxy fight. 
Bad for everybody, I think. Would pelts make the boardroom uncomfortable? I hope so. This company's performed so poorly. Someone should be in that room and saying, hey, listen, guys, we are letting down the shareholders, including us, because we own a lot of stock. That's why pelts belongs on that board. We get results from McKesson, too, and I like it ahead of the quarter because this drug wholesaler plays a critical role in the pharma system, and it's a serial practicer of UPOD, which means under-promising and over-delivery. I think it delivers again. I, I, look, nothing's guaranteed, but that one's, of all the ones that are up on the board, I'm putting that first. The newly public arm holdings gives you its report card after close. I think you could have a lot of positive characteristics, somewhat like Broadcom or AMD, two companies that are deep into generative artificial intelligence hardware. I expect arm could have just a dynamite quarter. Now, Chevron reported this. I don't know if you saw it this morning. You really gave an excellent quarter. It's up before it changed. Sent the stock flying. The company that reports this week that most reminds me of Chevron happens to be Conoco, Okay. I really like Conoco. On a Thursday morning, I bet you they put up some very strong numbers. At the close, I spy two good ones. There's Pinterest and Take-Two Interactive. I like Pinterest because online advertising is incredibly strong, as we learned from Meta. I like Take-Two because it's about to launch Grand Theft Auto 6 next year, and you're getting a chance to get in before the biggest show in gaming drops on streaming. Next, I am tempted. I got to tell you, you probably don't follow this as closely as I do, Cloudflare. Take a look at this one. Uh, a CEO, Matthew Prince, does a fantastic job running this content delivery network slash cybersecurity company. I think its stock will punch through to new highs. Uh, we're also going to hear from Max Levchin. He's the CEO of a firm, the controversial buy now, pay later outfit that's become a short seller widow maker. That's right. This company is one of the largest lenders that the shorts thought would go bust when the Fed was boosting rates. But it hasn't. And I don't think it will. Friday morning, PepsiCo reports, and the stock has settled into a real rut lately, even as business is pretty good. I think people are worried about, yeah, the impact of the GLP-1 weight loss drugs on its Fetalite business. If we do get widespread adoption, it will probably hurt PepsiCo's business because you won't eat as many lays. But that's certainly nothing to sweat about now. Here's the bottom line. Next week, you got another insane flood of earnings reports. So remember to stop, look, and listen before you pull the trigger. Too much confusion to be as informed as you need to be when you're investing your own money. Gary in New York. Gary. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, I'm glad you called, Gary. What's happening? Well, I've done pretty well since the 90s investing, and I attribute a lot of that to, you know, investing in companies that I have good personal experiences with that are repeatable. But I can't negate the fact that also I've learned a lot from you over the years, even in those cases where I might not agree with you. So I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, some things I learned from you um, more recently pertain to this company I'm going to ask you about. Okay. One is some of the fiascos associated with uh, ADM. And additionally, you're making a pivot to enterprise businesses uh, as opposed to consumer-oriented ones. True. And, And with that, my concern is with a company I've had great experience with and will continue to use, uh, FMC. Thanks. Well, OK, uh, you know, FMC is a real tough one for me because, look, I am a Philadelphian and that makes me want to like air market likes me want to like FMC. FMC is not delivered. What made me want to reopen the book on FMC, though, is that Corteva reported an amazingly good quarter, which shocked me. But FMC is not done well. And it's just crushing me because I do root for the home team. And right now the home team is not in the playoffs. Angelo in New York. Angelo. What's up, Booyah, Jim? Great to be on the show tonight. We used to work at 14 Wall Street together many, many moons ago. I'd love to learn a little bit more about MongoDB, bit of investor from 2018. Where are they going to go from here? 
Uh, uh, they're going to the go up. Can- I got to tell you, that is one of the best enterprise software companies there is. They pivoted. They're making a lot of money. I really like them. I like that at Dog Dog, too. And I hope I was polite when I saw you in 14 Wall. I always try to put a smile on my face, even though I was completely miserable and unhappy. Anyway, look, we got another flood of earnings reports next week. So my message is to you, it's please stop, look, and listen before you pull the trigger on putting your money to work. I'm everybody telling I'm sitting down with the CEO of Columbia Sportswear after earnings to find out how a warmer winter could impact its earnings potential. Not in a positive way. Then Prince Harry took Meghan Markle to a Soho house on their first date. It may be good enough for the royal family, but is it good enough for your portfolio? And would they let me in? I'm taking a closer look. Plus, Cardinal Health shares are up nearly 40% year over year. Could its decline after earnings be a buying opportunity? I'm going to talk to the CEO, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. heck just happened to the stock of Columbia Sportswear, the outdoor-focused apparel and footwear company that you may know as Columbia, Sorrel, Prana, Mountain Hardware, among other brands. Last night, these guys reported a seemingly disappointing quarter with a not-so-inspiring full-year forecast because they're conservative. Particularly, the stock got hit in the morning. It was down 10% at one point. But since then, it rebounded like crazy, finishing the day down less than 1%. So what got people feeling confident again? Was it the new profit improvement plan that management announced on the conference call? Or was it just that the negatives were already baked into the stock? Or how about the fact that inventories are incredibly low? Let's take a closer look with Tim Boyle, the chairman, president, and CEO of Columbia Sportswear, to figure things out here. Mr. Boyle, welcome back to Man Money. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be with you. Well, I'm glad that you're here because I have to tell you, Tim, I am I, I happen to be in Kansas City. Uh, for the game between Kansas City and Miami. And it was minus nine. And it made me think of you because I was wearing some of my Columbia stuff because I said, boy, this is almost like a relic. I don't remember cold weather anymore. Do you think that so much part of this country has just not seen enough cold weather that they forget that you need cold weather clothes? Well, you know, I think uh, as much as we try and, and really build our business outside of the winter weather time period, we're still heavily dependent on winter weather. And this year, as you know, was was incredibly warm. Uh, although the last few weeks we've had just uh, appropriate weather for North America 
and we've had great cleanups, but it, it just came after the end of the year. So, you know, it's it's an important part of how we're managing the business. And and, you know, when when you're in the weather, weather biz, dependent business like we are, you really have to have a balance sheet. And that's been, I think, if there's anything that's made our business very focused on making sure that we've got the right amount of capital, it's been the, the number of years we've been in the weather business. So uh, we're thrilled with the, with the way that the year came out, not so thrilled with the numbers, but we, we cleaned up our inventories at, at a profitable way, and um, we're on to the next year, and, and things are going to improve. Okay, so tell people who know the brand, obviously love the brand, what it really means to have such lean inventories and have so much cash in terms of not not just your ability to be able to struggle through, but maybe even do some kind of dynamic things with some new people that you're bringing in who might have some very good ideas. Well, that's true. We, um, you know, we're competing with companies that do similar things to us. And we often say nobody needs another brand of apparel or footwear. So how do we differentiate ourselves? We've been very focused on innovation making sure that we can keep you warm when it's minus nine in a, in a way that's comfortable and looks good. Uh, and we can, make, uh, we can make changes in the business which are not knee-jerk, which are not about having to slice the inventories off and sell it at no profit. Um, and, and those kinds of things can keep us on sort of the straight and narrow in a time when, when the business has been more challenged. And that's really the focus. And, and as you said, we're bringing people on board who are very tough people, uh, and rightly so, on the management, including me, to make sure we're lo- doing the right things, that we're managing our inventories properly. And uh, I think you'll see, for, we, we currently plan to add another $300 million or so of free cash flow in 2024 by just further managing our inventory. So... We've we've given some guidance and we think we're pretty right on, but it allows us to do things that that others can't when they don't have the kind of financial strength that we do. Okay, because I I think it's very important because obviously your brands are impeccable. But if no one is thinking about cold weather, then no one thinks about some of your brands, which is just the business that you're in. Now, how about this Omnimax uh, spring of 24 introduction? What should we be looking for there? Well, I think what you should be looking for there is a truly unique product. It's really a component of a midsole and an outsole system that we're going to adapt to a number of our key selling styles. So it's really an update to the product. It's incredibly comfortable and and high performance. And it's what we need. I've been talking for years about the opportunity in footwear. This is, I think, is going to lead our path there. Okay, so how about we've got uh, we've got some of your goods in front of us, and there's this really cool Skywalker edition. I mean, to me, that's the kind of thing that every kid would want. I mean, is that selling well? Well, it, you know what? That's a very limited item, uh, and our our arrangement with Disney has been terrific as it relates to Star Wars. This, I think, was our eighth offering. But the idea there is to make sure that we have some items which have uh, which are available broadly and some items which are very focused and narrowly available. And that's one of the the narrow ones. And frankly, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see the the uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, Mark Hamill uh, 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 vignette video that we did. But it's it's really been fun. And and doing business with Disney at the price points that we're offering 
has been fun for both companies. When they say, sometimes I feel like that your story doesn't get out. I mean, both my daughter and I love the backpack, this performance fishing gear, because you know, people don't realize. We always say, it's waterproof. And I almost, sometimes I really do, do feel, Tim, like, how come people don't know this? I mean, this is like the most useful right. product in the world. I like the deep sea fish. I always take it with me. It, everything is, is kept dry. And I always have to tell people, look at this. Look what this does. Why can't we get the word out? Well, Jim, we've been accused of uh, keeping our talents under a bushel, and uh, so we're, we're about to lift the bushel. Do it. Do it. This stuff's too cool, man. I mean it. I use your stuff everywhere, and I always have to explain to people why, and that shouldn't be, because your stuff is the best. Anyway, Tim, I'm so glad you came on the show. Tim Boyle, Chairman, President, and CEO of Columbia Sportswear, and I hope for some cold weather for you. All right, buddy? Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Man, buddy, be back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer casts a keen eye toward where the in-crowd assembles. Homework on Soho House is due next. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. New Year's resolutions for 2024 is to stay on top of my own work. The stocks I get asked about where I need to do some research before I can come up with useful verdicts. I don't know them well enough. I always like to circle back to these, but sometimes it just takes way too long. So I'm trying to make time to do that. For example, just last Monday, Matt in Massachusetts asked about a company called Soho Housing Company. It's one of the 600-odd companies that came public in 2021. Can you imagine? This one was an actual IPO, though. Thank heavens. Not a SPAC deal. But either way, the stocks had a rough time. Originally, Soho House came public as Membership Collective Group. Now, there's a great name. Sounds like something from Stalin for changing its name a little less than a year ago. This is a unique story that I've been meaning to pay some attention to for two and a half years. But the stock's been such a loser, it never seemed particularly pressing. Soho Group came public at $14, and it never got more than a dollar above that price in its first few months of trading. Then it lost 70% of its value in 2022, dropping from 13 to 3 and change. To be fair, the stock's now doubled, though, after the past 13 months, from 3 to 6, but it still hasn't even come close to recouping its 2022 losses. Nevertheless, Soho House does have a compelling narrative. The core business is the Soho House membership business, though that sells that the company sells various types of memberships that provide access to a network of beautiful buildings and spaces with tons of amenities. Everything from bars, restaurants, club rooms and screening rooms to pools, spas, gyms, health clubs. They even have their own beaches at some coastal locations and, of course, hotel rooms at most locations. This U.K. based company got its start in 1995 as a single location in London, Soho neighborhood. And since then, it's grown into a global network of 42 locations across 14 countries. In the last year, they've opened new ones in Bangkok, Mexico City. The company also has diversified uh, into some other ventures, like a beach club in Mykonos, a few boutique hotel networks uh, branded The Ned, The Line, Saguaro in the U.S., a London, a, co- a co-working space venture called Soho Works, and a retail business called Soho Home, where they sell the kind of home goods you can find at their clubs. I don't know, kind of intriguing, right? 
Now, there's an interesting dynamic to this business because membership at Soho House is selective. They don't take everybody. Uh, they want people who are as cool as their existing members. You have to apply to get in. They tend to favor creative types rather than, say, finance bros. Maybe that's why the stock didn't do particularly well out of the gate. Maybe perhaps they should have accepted a few more portfolio managers in that famous meatpacking district location. Listen, my mom was an artist, an abstract expressionist welded sculptor. So I got what Soho House is trying to do here. But there's an inherent tension between keeping the membership program selective and generating enough membership growth to make money. I mean, so far, though, these guys actually seem to be doing a good job. As of the third quarter of 2023, Soho House has 255,000 members, up 21% from the year before, 3% from the previous quarter. I like that. And their, all-time, their wait list, get this, is an all-time high of 98,000. That's up 15% year over year. In fact, late last year, it was reported that the company will not accept any new members this year in its New York, Los Angeles, and London locations, which have become so popular that they're actually getting too crowded. That's a high-quality problem. Plus, look at the financials. Uh, Soho House has some impressive growth across the board. In the most recent quarter, they delivered 13% revenue growth, tremendous strength in the membership fee side of the business. I always like to see membership revenue growth. Uh, The reason why you want that is called recurring revenue. Wall Street always pays more for recurring revenue because the market value is consistency. Well, these guys are still a long way from turning a profit, which, of course, I do not like. They're moving in the right direction. Their earnings for interest, depreciation, and amortization turned positive in 2022. And although we haven't seen the fourth quarter numbers yet, it's almost certain their EBITDA more than doubled last year. This is a decent metric to use when you're looking at a business with big upfront costs like Soho House, where they have to spend a great deal to build and build out, to buy and build out new properties. As with so many of the 600 or so companies that came public in 2021, Soho House seemed to be fully focused on revenue growth at the time. They weren't concerned with turning a profit because investors weren't concerned with profits back then. But as the Fed started raising interest rates, Wall Street lost interest in companies pursuing growth at all costs. And Soho House, they got the message. Time to move on from from their model. Since then, they've slowed down their expansion to focus on monetizing their existing properties by getting the margins up. Looking forward, Soho House is on track to go free cash flow positive this year and effectively break even on gap earnings per share next year. Now, it's worth noting that when Soho House last reported in November, the stock got slammed. It fell 21% in response. And it's been dripping lower ever since. So did the company give a devastating update in November? Honestly, not really. I mean, sure, it wasn't a perfect quarter. Soho's overall membership result was a bit light. And total revenue also slightly missed expectations solely because in-house revenue was less than expected. Their gap losses and free cash flow were also worse than expected. But I could also point to a number of positives from the report, especially on the profitability front. Contribution margins, for example, were much higher than expected, as was adjusted EBITDA, which came in at $42.1 million, up 108% year over year, and comfortably above the $37.1 million that the analysts had expected. Plus, despite some of the softer top-line results, Soho House still raised its full-year forecast across the board. Mainly, I think the stock got obliterated because it had run too much going into the earnings. It just came in too hot and reported a quarter with a little hair on it. And it can't do that if it's going to be coming in that hot. In the end, Soho House could actually be a good speculative play. This company had a nice differentiated narrative, also a scarcity value. I don't have a lot of companies like this. I like buying new stories that are on the cusp of profitability, like Soho House seems to be. Here's the bottom line. The Soho House report, it's, its fourth quarter numbers, not till early March. So if you're risk averse, feel free to wait, see how it goes before you think about pulling the trigger. But if you're comfortable taking a chance, why not put it in a small position before then? Uh, uh, buy more, say, if management gives you a good forecast. We'll certainly be watching now that Soho House is back on our radar. So I want to thank Matt in Massachusetts for enticing us to finally take a close look at what I regard as a quirky story. 
because we actually like what we see. Now I'm going to Jack, my home state of New Jersey. Jack. Hey, Jim. How you doing, buddy? Jack, I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Jim, the Super Bowl is upon us, and the Taylor Swift-Kelsey craze is in full effect. Because of this, a lot of females have been added to the pool of sports bettors by betting on the Chiefs or on whether Kelsey will score a TD. Very true. Uh, And once they're signed up, I'm sure they will bet on other sports or events and or play the online slots or live dealer table games that DraftKings has been advertising a lot of. Do you think that this new crop of female sports bettors can make a difference for DraftKings, bottom line? Okay, now remember... Uh, when DraftKings was literally in half of where it is now is when I started pounding the table and saying it's time to buy DraftKings. I continue to like it. It is no longer inexpensive. But I do like the company, and everything I like about it was, was encapsulated by your thesis. And I want to thank you, Jack, in New Jersey, for bringing it up and sussing it through. How about Patrick in Florida? Patrick. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Not bad. How about you? Hey, hey. I've had this stock for over 10 years now, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what direction they're, on, they're going to. Um, so what is your take on Under Armour? Well, I'll tell you, Patrick, I think that over the last 10 years, they've been trying to figure out what direction they should be going into, which is why you feel that way, too. Now, I think the stock could be bottoming, but you know what? The sporting goods apparel business has just turned such a nightmare. There are other things I'd like you to do. For instance, they have, you know, they, at one point they sell some sunglasses. You want sunglasses? I have, I have, I gave my daughter a pair of the Ray-Bans, the uh, Matter Ray-Bans. Those are some sunglasses. All right. I think Soho House is a good speculative play. And if you're looking to add to your portfolio, hey, maybe you buy some now and then wait to hear what the company has to say in its next earnings report come March. Hey, much more made money, including my exclusive with the CEO of Cardinal Health. Huge, huge revenues there after earnings. Then the first Apple product in nine years is out. And I had a chance to meet with Tim Cook at the flagship store in New York City to find out more. I'll tell you what I learned. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. going on with Cardinal Health, one of the three big drug distributors in America. For years, Cardinal lagged behind his peers because it didn't have much, I think, of a specialty business. But over the past 18 months, the stock's come roaring back, and some of that is because of activist pressure and new leadership. Ever since Elliott Management took a big stake in the company, replaced the CEO in August of 2022, this stock's been on fire, up an astounding 65%. But can it keep winning? This week, we got two big pieces of news from Cardinal. First, they're shelling out $1.2 billion for an outfit called Specialty Networks, which helps them play catch-up in the specialty pharma space, where I think the money is. Second, yesterday morning, the company reported, and the results looked pretty good, at least to me. Nice revenue beat, big earnings beat, management raised the full-year forecast substantially. But I guess it wasn't perfect. Cardinal missed operating profit expectations. They lowered their full-year operating profit forecast for the smaller medical segment, not for the company. Now, some of these issues seem to spook investors. The stock tumbled 3.75% yesterday, 1.6% today, though it's still up roughly roughly 3% year-to-date and within a few bucks of its all-time high, and I really don't understand the pullback, frankly. I want to know if it's a viable one. Maybe we do need to be concerned. Let's take a closer look with Jason Holler. He's the CEO of Cardinal Health to learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Holler, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Okay, it's been a long time since we talked about a Cardinal, uh, Jason. So can you just give us a little overview of where the company is and why uh, you think it rallied 65%? Because that's a pretty remarkable achievement. 
Yeah, it really just comes down to the execution of the team. Over the last 18 months, we have benefited from a very strong utilization across the industry, but we've taken that volume and we've executed very, very well upon it. Our largest, most significant business is our, is our pharmaceutical segment, and we benefited from that utilization, but we also had some uh, really good, resilient growth within our core customers and our individual uh, performance within that and our productivity. Outside of that, as you mentioned, the medical business, the medical segment has been more of a turnaround, uh, but we've uh, gone and taken that business from quarterly losses about a year ago to having now about $70 million of profit each quarter. And that's been driven by the medical improvement plan. And that is driving uh, mitigation to the inflation that we were impacted by a couple of years ago, as well as growing our Cardinal Health brand product, products by investing in the products and getting the right capacity in place, the right productivity to ensure that our customers have the service levels that they demand. Okay. So talk about this, the Cardinal product. I think people would just presume until you came on that what you do is uh, Lily has a product, Merck has a product, Bristol Myers has a product. Those are the products that you traffic in, but you have your own stuff too. Yeah, that, that's right. And we have a variety of different product lines, five four different product lines. Within our biggest part of our companies by far, our pharmaceutical segment, that's over $200 billion of revenue by itself. And that is primarily the distribution of other uh, manufacturers' products, other innovators' products. The medical segment specifically, which is uh, about uh, 10 to $12 billion of business, that has a component of about $4 billion of our own Cardinal Health branded products. And we also distribute other national branded products from the other manufacturers. Okay, so I, I like the specialty business because it usually be a, a little bit more margin. Tell us about this acquisition because I think it, 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 this is what you need to separate yourself from the pack. Yeah, and so uh, first thing I should say is that we're already large and relevant in specialty today. We have over $30 billion of business in that space, and it's been growing very nicely. Over the last three years, it's grown at 14% CAGR, and we expect that business to continue to grow in the double digits uh, well into the future. So our strategy is not predicated on acquisitions. However, what we've always said is that if we're going to do an acquisition, it's going to be in the specialty space, and that has been our priority. So think about this as an opportunity to accelerate the strategy that we already have in place. Now, special networks to get to your question there jim it's a fantastic business but i gotta start with the people we know them well we've worked with them a long time it's a fantastic leadership team first and foremost and they built a great business now what what is the business it's a multi-specialty group purchasing organization and practice enhancement organization so as i mean well multi-specialty to start with that they're big in urology but they also have um, uh, exposure into rheumatology and gi so those are all nice growing businesses within specialty but they also what we really liked about this business is the technology stack behind it. They have what they have. Uh, they have what's called PPS Analytics. It's a subscription-based AI platform that uses electronic medical records and other data feeds, and that they uh, use that then to provide actionable insights, both upstream with manufacturers, the big pharma companies you talked about, but also downstream to the smaller independent physician offices. Helps them actually run their business more efficiently, but probably more importantly to all of us, helps them be a better provider for ultimately the patients. Well, that's what we want. Um, and and uh, the last part, yeah, and the last part I was going to highlight is, and this is also an area we're also investing organically in with our Navista network in the oncology space. So we think some of this technology can be transferable to where we're growing internally, organically as well. Well, these are things that, I, you know, that you've executed in the turnaround. I'm sure some of our viewers are saying, now, wait a second, do they do well in a, it, when there's some drug that it just explodes, like uh, the GLP-1s? Does that impact you or is yeah. that just something that is just, well, it doesn't matter? It's not a metric that matters. 
Yeah, it, currently today, it's more of a top-line revenue metric. So it's definitely impactful to our revenue, but it's not the majority of our revenue growth. And it's not very impactful to the bottom line today. But generally speaking, we love innovation, right? It all starts with the patient. The patient is demanding these types of products and innovation in general. And so if it's good, if it's important to them, it's important to our customers, which means it's important for us. But, but when you think about this type of innovation, it just means it's an evergreen opportunity for the distributors. These are all products that ultimately need to be distributed and that's what this industry is based on is years and years and years of that innovation. And generics become generics after years of innovation of being in other categories. And there's also wraparound services. So innovation is the lifeblood of the entire industry, but especially a especially for uh, organizations like our own and our role within uh, the, this industry. So we, we love it, and it, and it will continue to give us value over the years. Right, so Jason, we haven't had McKesson on, but we had Sincorum recently in Philadelphia. Hey, we kind of like this story. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, so I'm a, a drug, say I have I, a chain of 12 drugstores. Why do I choose Cardinal over McKesson or over Sincorum, or can I use everybody? What's the selling proposition that you offer? Yeah, well, first and foremost, it, it always goes back down to the people. And you know, we are healthcare's most trusted partner. We do what we say we're going to do, and we're very much focused on the core of our customers' business. The 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 type of customer you just talked about. When I came into this role, one of the first things we did is we reduce some of those growth initiatives to make sure our core was the strongest core in the industry. We've absolutely focused on simplifying how we operate. We actually stopped doing some things. We exited some product lines. We exited some businesses. We exited some countries and uh, some manufacturing plants. We, we did a lot, and then we took those resources, and we didn't just put them into the bank. We reinvested it in areas of the core business, like those core customers, to ensure that they get the right product at the right time, and they're, they're getting fantastic service from us. Well, I, I got to tell you, this is a different cardinal than I remember, and I know that a lot of it has to do with changes that you've made. I, kind of impressive. You know, I, I've always, well, I always joke about the companies because it's just clockwork. It's just clockwork. But Cardinal had been the one that wasn't clockwork, except for last year. And I think a lot of that is because of the things that you've done. One last question that I have. Do you think that when the, uh, the Biden administration put through those price, really what I regard as price caps, where Medicaid's gonna, Medicare's going to be negotiating, is that the end of profitability for the drug companies like many of the drug companies tell me? Oh, well, I'm not going to speak for the drug companies. Uh, what I'll, I'll say for our role in, in the industry is that uh, we, we like the transparency that we're seeing and the predictability. Uh, what's good for the patient is ultimately good for us. When you think about so many of us in this industry, uh, the value we get is on utilization. And so as right. the patient has more affordable choices, that ultimately gives us more volume, more which drives more scale. It makes us even more competitive and more difficult to displace in our role. So everything about the, the, the transparency, about the affordability, that ultimately is good for all of us. I'm glad you put it that way, because that's what all of us want. There's more of us than just a couple of drug companies, and that's, you got that right. Jason Holler. Well, they're, they're important customers of ours as well. So it's we'll it's okay Jason Holler, CEO of Cardinal Health. This one is finally keeping up with the rest of the pack, and I think you're looking at why. Man, Money is back after the break. Thank you, Jason. It is time! It's time for the lightning round. Here's our roll of you. Something you said, but on the fly, you're going to play this now. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Time for the lightning round. I want to start with Wade in North Carolina. Wade! What is popping, Jim? What's, I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. What's happening? Well, tough break for the Eagles in the playoffs. 
But I'm curious to hear your take on bouncing back from setbacks, both in football and in the market. Looking forward to your insights on resilience and potential winning strategies, especially with Lear. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I do prefer Magnet or Lear. It'll come back. I think MGA will do better. I want you to be in Magnet International. Let's go to Otto in California. Otto. Hey, Jim. How you doing? It's a metatastic day today. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's happening? Give me a stock. Let's go to work. Hey, I want, I want to give you a big 49ers booyah first. I wish the Niners best of luck. Uh, I do uh, am friendly with the uh, Reed family there, so they're with the uh, other team. But, yeah, I, I always like a Niner now and then. What's, go, what's going on? You know what they say, cross your teeth and dot your eyes. Kittle's got both. Kelsey's got none. Wow. That's a shite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to tell her. I'm going to call. I'm going to call her up. I'm going to tell her what you said. The most powerful force in the world, the GDP of, of whole nations. Go ahead. Hey, I'm looking at Block, Jim. Block's got uh, revenue. I think you're right about Block. I, look, I think that Jack is back doing his thing. And by the way, Reno Hoosier is just fantastic. So I think that Block, which is now Simple Square, is going higher. You got a winner. Let's go to Patrick in Florida. Patrick. Jimmy Chill, how are you this season? Chill man's doing well. It's almost a weekend, and you know I don't like that because that means I don't get to come to work tomorrow. Yeah, there's no no market over the weekend. I hate that. This, I always hated that. I figured if I were in the like the equator or something, it always happened. But that's the wrong latitude. It's a longitude thing. What's happening? Yeah, I'm a long time second time and a club member. Oh, great. Uh, I have a question. If you have made a decision on what to do or if you've found an entry point on Walgreen Boots. Yeah, okay, so I go about this with Jeff Marks all the time, and we now feel, I mean, some people want to sell boots, some people want them to sell their specialty. I now feel that we have to wait another quarter to see what Tim Wentworth is going to do because we don't want to jump too soon because it is a troubled situation. Let's go to Rick in Florida. Rick. Rick, yeah, uh, Jim. Yo, this is Rick. Rick from Bradenton, Florida. And this is Jimmy Chill from New York. Sorry. What's happening? Well, I, I was uh, looking at Rocket Lab, and right. I wanted to see if it was a viable buy. No, I think the answer actually it isn't a viable buy. It, that doesn't mean someone won't buy. You know, someone could buy it, and then someone else will take it out even higher. But I would much rather be in Terra Firma than I would like to be in the Rocket Lab. Now let's go to Marlin in New York. Marlin. Yes, how you doing, Jim Kramer? Nice I am doing well. I'm doing time. well. How you doing? Excellent. <clears throat> I have a question about the NXT. Is it a buy-buy-buy or a sell What a quarter sell? they put. You know, Shug is just killing it. And when I was thinking, look what Shug did, I was thinking, wow, what a monster quarter. But it may, I don't know, it's selling at 22 times earnings. Could it go higher? Perhaps, but it's a its a good company. Kind of took me a little bit by surprise. I have to admit, took me by surprise. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Dr. Yep. Kramer. Uh, got a stock for you in heavy equipment. Think cranes. They've been doing it for 120 years. Why this company's never been acquired by, say, Caterpillar, I don't know. That said, insiders are buying with both hands. BlackRock came in late January, bought 12.5% of the float. You know the company, Jim. Ticker MTW, Manitowoc. Nantuak is a good company, and you know what? Caterpillar just went up 100 points, and that stock's done nothing. Let's listen to what Kat says on Monday morning, and then maybe we do a little buying of Manitowoc. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the 
Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. give you a little juxtaposition. On the one hand, I'm following the sheep who write about Apple, and as always, they only seem to care about iPhone sales, specifically the slowdown in China. On the other hand, I'm about to watch the unveiling of the brand new Vision Pro, the astounding headset that could only be made by Apple. Yep, I got to speak to Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, last night and, of course, this morning. And all we wanted to talk about was how we could integrate this incredible device and its ability to interpret your eyes and your fingers to toggle from wondrous scene Another wondrous scene. I want to watch programs on it after I take out my contacts so I can see them, which is impossible with the TV set 15 feet away from me once those little pieces of plastic are torn from my eyes. What a silly thing to have a huge screen where I can only make out colors when I can watch the same show in living color, spectacular resolution right on my head while I'm laying down. If we had Vision Pro years ago, I don't think we would ever put those ugly things up on our walls. Tim told me that we'll have all sorts of use cases. We're going to find them both in pleasure and in business, B2B. Walmart managers will be able to look at a shelf space in a Walmart store and see how well it's doing versus, say, different merchandise that could do better. Healthcare specialists can match symptoms or chat with other pros while looking at a patient. Contractors can examine a, a whole ceiling for cracks. People can cook while they write and watch with timers at the ready. You looking to plan a trip? Vision Pro can help ensure that what you're looking at is up to snuff. Speaking of toggling, though, there's no such thing as wonderment per share, is there? What matters to the analysts who cover Apple is the model, the numbers they plug into their Apple sales and earnings models. Because of last night's well-telegraphed guide down, where Luca Maestri, the excellent CFO, talked about a weaker China, the model showed a, a company that's growth-challenged with an overvalued stock. It doesn't matter to these analysts that Apple has the highest customer satisfaction numbers of any company on earth, does it? doesn't matter that there are probably millions of people who buy the Vision Pro purely because it's made by Apple. All that seems to matter is that China, a big market, is weak. When the people who create these models here on the conference call, the Chinese sales could be down fairly big next quarter, they slash their price targets. Some of the analysts blame weakness in the Chinese economy, but others say Apple's losing share to Huawei, so those buyers won't come back. Maybe if we had an edge cell phone, it would happen. It would go back. I mean, oh, God, me? The Chapel Trust owns so many stocks of companies that are doing poorly in China that I can only blame the broader Chinese economy, not Apple. More important... I have faith in management, faith in Tim Cook, faith in him to figure out how to grow those earnings. Maybe this quarter, maybe the quarter after that. Hey, maybe, I don't know, maybe next year. I don't know when. Maybe you can get out of Apple stock now and get back in later at a better price. But then again, maybe you can. Given the management team, given the worldwide customer loyalty, given how this is one of the rare companies that's truly beloved, I think selling is a much bigger risk than sticking with it. That's why I say own it, don't trade it. Granted, there is no wonderment per share, but you know what does exist? indispensability per share, and you and I know that, although the analysts may not know about it. This metric's pretty obvious to all longtime Apple investors, and Apple's indispensability per share remains the best in the entire stock market. Alex says, always the bull market somewhere. Pop chart finance just for you, right here, man money. I'm Jim Graber. See you Monday. Last call starts now. 
All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.